I want to invite all men on a journey. A journey that has to do with why you matter. I know we're living in a day when the importance of men has been downgraded, has been reduced and in some places totally removed. Appropriate masculinity has gone unappreciated and undervalued. But God is calling men to rise to a whole new level. Remember God asked Adam a fundamental question. Adam, where are you? I like to say, Adam, where you at? Because this whole future of civilization will be keyed in to fulfilling your God-designed, God-created, and God-given role. So men, it's time to rise up. Over the next number of months, we're going to be challenging men to a new level of manhood, personal, family, church, and cultural impact. And when God's men rise up, things are going to change. When we fail to rise up, as the Bible makes clear, things will disintegrate. So join me. Let's go on a journey together and see what happens when kingdom men rise. Shemgar. There are only two verses in the Bible that mention his name. Chapter 3, verse 31 of Judges. Chapter 5, verse 6 of Judges. Yet, as we will discover, this man has a message for the men in this house today. For all of us, but especially for the men. We're told in chapter 5, verse 6, that during the days of Shemgar, nobody was traveling along the highways. They went in roundabout ways. The main highways had been deserted. And if men wanted to go somewhere, if people wanted to travel, they had to go roundabout ways. They had to go on the dirt roads. They had to go on the side roads. They, they couldn't go on the main thoroughfares. To understand why we're told that, you have to understand the book of Judges. You see, the book of Judges talks about God's people in a failed scenario. Judges 21 verse 25 says, that there was no king in those days and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So during the days of the judges, this was a time of what we would call today postmodernism. No absolutes existed. Everybody had their own truth. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Everybody dealt with situations based on how they felt about it. There was no governing standard that governed everybody, so people made up their own rules, leading to cultural chaos. So people individually became their own god, became their own king, and did their own thing because they were their own Standard. There was no superintending, governing guidance 
to which all the people subscribed. Enter the Philistines. The Philistines were the enemies of Israel. When they saw the chaos in the society, they took that as an invitation to take advantage of a disintegrating culture. Since the folk can't get along, since everybody else is making up their own rules, since there's chaos everywhere we look, we the Philistines are going to invade Israel. So you have an invasion occurring, that's why it talks about him slaying the Philistines, because you have chaos. Now you don't need to read the Bible to see what that looks like. All you got to do is read the newspaper or look at the news and you will see today we are in a chaotic situation because people have made up their own rules about life, about sexuality, about race, about culture, about class. Nobody getting along with anybody and there's conflict in a person's own life, in our families fraying, in our communities divided over all of these issues. And so you get arguments back and forth and back and forth and marches about this and complaints about that. And there is chaos which always sets the stage for the enemy to invade the environment. So don't be surprised when things get worse when there is no standard. So that was the situation that brings us Shemgar. A chaotic situation of violence, of terrorism, of cultural collapse, of people defining themselves not by God, but by their own thinking, their own feelings, or their own information, opening the door for the Philistines to invade the land which affected commerce because you could not do the main roads anymore. So any business that you needed to conduct, anybody you wanted to visit, you had to find a side way to get to them. You had to go roundabout because if you showed up on that major highway, the Philistines were going to get you. They had shut down mobility in the culture. So you've got major cultural collapse. In the midst of the crisis, we have 22 words. Judges chapter 3, verse 31, 22 words about a man named Shemgar. But these are 22 powerful, powerful words that gives each of us, but especially the men here, principles by which if you grab them, understand them, and inculcate them, how you can make a difference in spite of how bad things are. After him, that is, after the previous judge, Ehud, came, we're told, Shemgar. Now, the first thing I want you to note, first thing I want you to note about Shemgar is what he did before he became a judge. Because it says he slew 600 Philistines with an ox gourd. So that tells us what his job was before he became a, a judge over Israel. He's a farmer. Because an 
ox goad, an ox goad is a eight foot pole with a sharp metal tip on one end and a flat chisel area on the other end. The sharp end of the ox goad was used to goad the ox and keep them pulling the plow. So whenever they slowed down, you would prick it and prick it and prick it so it would pick back up for completing the farming responsibilities. The chisel on the back end, the flat surface of metal on the back end, was for the farmer to dig up roots and to dig up things that were obstructing the process of tilling the soil so that he could plant his seed. So this was a very important tool in the hand of a farmer. Farmers had ox goats. So we find out about Shemgar that he doesn't start off as a judge, he starts off as a farmer. Now why do you need to know that? You need to know that because the first thing you and I need to do is start where you are. You don't start where you want to be, you start where you are. A lot of folk are waiting till they get more money, more education, higher position, more notoriety before they do anything. There are many things in God's kingdom that do not get done because he's waiting on God's people to move with where they are right now. Shemgar, we find him on a farm. One of the great tragedies far too often in the life of men is procrastination. That's why the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 12, serve the creator in the days of your youth. Don't wait till you get old. One of the things that far too many of us as men lack is vision. God specifically created men to express vision. When he created Adam, he says, Adam, here's the garden. Now I want you to take this raw material and I want you to cultivate it and I want you to develop it and I want you to turn it into something beyond what you started with. A lot of times men are asking their wives to follow a park bus or a park car because there has been no vision given for where God wants us to go. It is the responsibility of the man to set forth vision. The Bible says in uh, Joel chapter 2 verse 28, repeated again in Acts chapter 2 verse 17, it says, your sons shall have, your younger sons shall have vision and the old men will dream dreams. Doesn't bring the women into that. He says the women shall prophesy, but he says it will be the men who will have visions and it will be the older men who will dream dreams. So every man in here is supposed to be a vision caster and a dream maker. So it is the man's role to cast a vision. This is where we are. I don't like things as they are, so I'm going to seek God to give me a vision for what he wants to do to take it from where it is to where he wants it to be. Shemgar was dissatisfied. He's a farmer, but he sees that he can't travel down the main highway now. The main highways are blocked. 
The main highways of the caravans of Philistines are stopping me from getting my produce from my farm to farmer's market. It's stopping me from being able to go through the straight line down the highway because these, these evil people have taken over my neighborhood, my community, and now I got to find a, a roundabout way to go because those were the days. And it's all because there was no standard in the land inviting the enemy to take over. Shemgar is a farmer, but he's dissatisfied with the conditions. And so he takes an ox gourd. An ox gourd. Wait a minute. An ox gourd is for farming. That's what you do. You, you prod the animal along so he can keep pulling the plow. You dig up the roots and the, the brushes that are in the way. But because he's a man of vision, it dawns on him. I can use this ox goad, it's pronounced ox goad, I can use this ox goad for morning farming. I can use this ox goad to make this a better place to live, work, play, raise a family. I, I can use this tool that I thought was only for my economic prosperity. I can use this tool to do something more. God wants you to start right where you are, but guess what else he wants? He wants you to use what he's already given you. He's already had an ox gold. He's already got that right in his hand. He just never knew it could be used for more than farming until it dawns on him one day, and I'll tell you why it dawned on him in a few moments. It dawned on him one day, wait a minute. I already have what I need to do to get what God wants me to do done. See, a lot of folk are looking for new stuff when God has already given us the old stuff if we'd ever learn to use it for his purposes. But because we've been so secularized in thinking, we use it for, you know, our growth, our income, our notoriety, our prestige, and, 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 and we forget that there is something bigger on the stage. It says that he slew 600 Philistines with the ox gold. Now let's talk about the odds. That, that's 600 to 1 odds. That's big odds. Now I know a lot of men in here have things against you, but it's probably not 600 to 1. It says 600 Philistines against one guy who only has one tool. He slew 600 Philistines with one ox gourd. Because... When you take what you have and God can get a hold of it right, you will be amazed at what he can do with it. He has one ox goat and this one ox goat gets rid of 600 problems. How many problems are in your life, in your world, in your job, on your career? How many problems are in your home, in your family? You say there are dozens and dozens of them. He had 600. He had one tool. But because he knew how to use the one tool the right way under divine influence, it was able to get the job done. If God could ever get a hold of the ox goad in your life, 
what he has handed you that he wants to use for something bigger than just your little small world because you're dissatisfied with the confusion, you're dissatisfied with the crime, you're dissatisfied with the chaos, you're dissatisfied with the terrorism, but now you want to take what God has given you, hand it back to him. All David had was a stone. That's all he had. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that would taunt the armies of the living God. He just had a stone and a slingshot, but he also had one thing. He says, you come to me with all that equipment, Goliath. I come to you in the name of the Lord. So let's see what he does with this stone when I let it go. Holy Ghost took the stone, drew it into Goliath's head. He chopped off Goliath's head and said, hey, y'all. In other words, all he needed was what he had. It just had to get sanctified by God so that it could now do something bigger than it could ever do on its own. All Samson had was the jawbone of a donkey. A thousand Philistines came against him. He put himself in the crevice of the rock and the Bible says when the Spirit of God came on him, he slew 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Why? Because it was no longer just the jawbone of a donkey. God had gotten a hold of that thing and he did something bigger with that than Samson could ever do on his own. All the little boy had was sardines and crackers, a couple of fish and some barley loaves, but Jesus turned it into a Moby Dick sandwich. But he only turned it into a Moby Dick sandwich when the little boy gave his sardines and crackers to Jesus Christ. And when he gave it to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ prayed over it and it did something bigger than what the boy could ever do on its own. What I'm trying to say to you is that if you will allow God as a man to give you a vision for what he wants to do with your life, he will blow your mind and how, as to how he can take a little and do a lot with it. So the question on the floor now is, how do you, how do you defeat 600 when it's only you and all you have is an ox goad? I mean, how do you, how do you do that? You don't do it all at one time. If 600 come at you at one time, they had cut off all the roads, all the highways, which means they weren't all in one place at one time. See, they're spread out among the different highways. So he had a bunch of gangs he had to deal with. So he may have 25 here and 50 here. He looked at his ox goad and said, hmm, this could be a Tomahawk missile. It's sharp on one side, flat on the other side, and I know how to use it because I've been farming with this thing for years. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, God is looking for somebody. He's searching for somebody who he can use to show himself strong through. God wants to show off. His problem is finding somebody. He's had problems finding somebody, and as we saw with other scriptures, especially finding a man, because there's some things he only wants to do through a man. 
Not because women aren't critical, important, and strategic, but there are some things he wants to get men to do. First Chronicles 4, verse 9 and 10, we are familiar with the prayer of Jabez. The word Jabez means pain. One day, Jabez got tired of being named pain, so he dropped to his knees. The Bible says he cried out to God, God, bless me indeed. Expand my borders. Remove evil from me. He cries out to God to change his life. He said what many in our, men in our culture need to say today, and even in our, in our churches, I was made for more than this. I wasn't just made to be pain all of my life. I don't want to go out like that. I want to go out victorious. I want to go out. I want to go out with confidence. So he cried out to God. And the Bible says, and when he cried out to God, the Lord heard him and answered each one of his prayers. We can't get men to drop to their knees. We can't get men to submit to God. We can't get men to cultivate a relationship with God underneath the rule of God. What was Shemgar's secret? What was the key that shifted his life so that he became a judge and one man saved the whole nation? Says he saved Israel. One man with an ox goad. What was his secret? Well, you have to understand how you got to be a judge. Let me show you the first judge. Chapter 3, verse 10. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. There it is. You know how you became a judge? God took over your life. That's how you became a judge. The Spirit of the Lord came, and the Spirit of the Lord grabbed the man and now empowered him to do stuff out of the ordinary. When the Spirit of the Lord came, God came upon him, he got consumed by God's presence. We're talking about one man gets rid of 600 Philistines and he saves a whole nation getting ready to fall apart. Hear me now. So if you happen to be on the farm right now, you, you, ain't, but you ain't trying to save no nation. You can't even save your block. You, you, you're still on the farm right now. It's okay because you start where you are and then you use what you have. And then you do what you can, walking in faith, and then you watch God move and twist things and change things and flip things, and, 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 and you watch him blow your mind. You start where you are, and you pursue God's presence and his ownership so that he can now show you what he wants you to deliver. I love the biblical story of Shemgar. He's a man who had to beat the odds, 601. Yet he came out on the victor side. I know, men, it looks like the odds are against us. It looks like in every direction you look, culture, the various social movements, racial strife, it doesn't look good for our team. But that's where God comes in because he changes the odds, even when it looks like they're not in your favor. If we will rise up as kingdom men, we change the trajectory 
of the odd makers. Because now God becomes invested in us and through us for the healing that desperately needs to take place in our lives and in our land. So don't let the odds discourage you. We've all seen where odds makers go in one direction and reality goes in another. Well, we want to change reality because we're going to rise up and override the forces that seek to keep us from being the men God has created us to be. Every man wants to make a difference. To influence others. To impact the world around him. Power. Significance. Influence. Every man wants to live that kind of life. God has big plans for you. Bigger than you've ever imagined. You're a man of influence, strength, and great purpose. Are you ready to live up to your highest potential? Tony Evelyn, long-awaited book, Kingdom Men Rising. Challenges men to sharpen their spiritual and relational skills to intentionally live with an influencer mindset in all areas of life. Filled with authentic stories of struggle and heartfelt personal loss, Tony takes us to God's Word to show men how to clear all obstacles in the journey that leads to living a life of influence and impact. As you read each page, you'll find your soul stirred to reach for more of what God says is possible. No longer settling for a faith that just goes through the motions. The time is now. Together, we rise.